Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. I'm James Kay and with me always is Ryan McGowan. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm very well, I'm very well. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. The weeks are coming and they don't stop coming, or should I say the days? What is, what's this? What's the song? And uh, the, is it the weeks? The days? I, I don't know. I do not know. It's from uh, Shrek. This episode's got a great start. Yeah. Uh, and the years start coming. Well. Maybe it's years. Either way, uh, time is passing at an alarming rate. Yeah. But here we are. I think this is episode 70-something. Oh, well, it's been a long time since we've uh, said the name of the episode, that uh, the number mm, of the it's episode. episode 70. I was looking at them the other day, trying to remember. It's 70-something, but here we are. It's 77. So I hope all our... 77, I thought that, rang, that rings a bell. 77, we're quickly approaching the 100 mark. Yeah. We'll be there before the year is out. Uh, mm. I hope all our listeners are doing well in this extended state of lockdown we seem to find ourselves in. I, I realised the other day that this lockdown's going to end up being longer than the first... Uh, wait, so the first one was March until June? Yeah, so it's like end of, it was kind of end of March, wasn't it? So it's more like April, May, then like June. It was like two and a half, three, three and a half months, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. And this one's going to be December, or it depends where you lived, December, January, February, probably March. Oh, shit, And then we'll see what happens in April. And for some people, November as well. I was very lucky to work across uh, a bit of December but I know a lot of my colleagues weren't so they've been sat at home since the, like the 1st of November yeah we, we must go into a tier system this that for, for all the listeners uh, uh, our Prime Minister is going to have a road map um, on Monday uh, which I believe is what the 22nd or something um, yeah. detailing how the UK will go out of lockdown and how it will deal with everything else further along the way like we are the most vaccinated nation in the planet so we should have some Apart kind from of Israel Israel are ahead of us a lot yeah, a lot smaller than us though I think isn't it yeah true true um, and um, yeah so yeah we've got a roadmap coming out to detail how we're going to come out of the lockdown 100% it's got to be a tier system again there's no other way I don't see it He's, he's scrapped sort of tier th- systems. Oh, so he has. Oh, well, then it's just survival of the fittest from then on, isn't it? it it's, it's, it'll be a case of, it, I think, from what I saw a leak, you, you can never trust these leaks. I think it's like March 8th, schools are going to reopen, see how that goes. And then if that goes well, you'll be allowed to meet like groups of six outside and like um, restaurants and hospitality can do takeaway. Or I think they can do that now. Yeah, they but, can do that. Yeah, now. and like out, outdoor leisure places can open, so my work could be able to reopen outdoors. Which, if they're listening, I'd love to go back. So, please. <laughs> and uh, and then I think the last one to open would be like your theatres, your cinemas, your sitting in pubs, that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. So also, so it will be kind of like how they tried to ease out of lockdown last time before the tier system, where it's just mm. uh, you can now meet six people, you can now meet twenty yeah. people, and X Y Z. Very staggered. So if like if one of them causes a sharp rise in cases, they'll be like, okay, we just remove that. Oh, okay, oh, that makes sense. Um, well, that's that's great. And obviously, uh, the weather's getting better at the moment here in the UK. The last week and a half, we've had like zero uh, minus zero temperatures. Uh, this mm, morning, I went, out, I went outside in shorts and a shirt. It was it was eleven degrees. I was thinking it was summer. Yeah, it's getting warmer. And it's I think the, the nice weather's really going to help, which is why we saw it dip in summer, the cases, because the weather was so much better. Yeah. But I think this is the thing as well. Hospital beds are full, but we need to understand that other illnesses haven't gone. They're, they still exist. Yeah. So people still need to go to hospital with the flu. That still happens. I'm not calling coronavirus the flu. I'm not one of those. I know they're two <laughs> separate things. 
but people will still have the flu and will still require those those treatments so hospitals tend to get quieter in the summer months so fingers crossed spring and summer brings some much needed respite and then every winter we'll just batten down the hatches and hold our loved ones tight well, that's something positive to take out of it it's a good job we're not in texas right now oh you guys look fucking cold i know we've got quite a few listeners in texas um so uh how are you getting on um <laughs> because I've, i think i saw one figure minus 18 at night yeah and all their power's gone like the power's gone for a lot of people they've got no water in i think houston and i think in austin as well uh their water's all shut off for the entire city um I, I saw one video online of a woman's fish tank in her house is frozen Mm, frozen yeah i saw um like a ceiling fan as well had icicles coming off of it yeah yeah oh it's absolutely absolutely madness. mental i don't how you guys are surviving i don't know but I, I don't know it's good to know that ted cruz is uh just decided to up and leave you yes he's off to cancun where it is still nice and warm um now the, mm. the, you there must be a generation of texans really who have never seen snow because it just doesn't snow there does it i, I believe I don't, I don't know from a from an ignorant english point of view i always imagine texas as this really warm kind of deserty place with tumbleweeds going everywhere mm. rattlesnakes this is the idea that we have of texas everyone wears a cowboy hat <laughs> everyone's got a gun yeah yeah um yeah no, and and then and then there's just snow everywhere it's, it's, it's incredible um so yeah mm. Hope you guys are doing well. I hope our dulcet tones give you some sort of comfort. As we talk about some murders. Yeah. There's always a segue. This one wasn't that seamless, but I tried. (laughs) So, when we think about murders today and forensic crime scenes and all this, your CSIs, your silent witnesses, all that kind of jazz, you know how easy it is to... Like gather DNA from a crime scene. I remember when we did our Amanda Knox episode and DNA was just all over a room from like mm. hair and like every spit and all sorts, fingerprints. There was a time where this didn't exist and that time wasn't so long ago. So DNA testing is something we all take for granted these days and it's part and parcel of modern life, like in crime investigations and paternity tests. You are the father, that kind of stuff. Mm. But there was obviously a time where it didn't exist and investigations would be largely inconclusive so crimes such as murder were much harder to solve imagine jack the ripper times when we had dna would you have got away with it probably not probably not probably not so because there's a there's a collector isn't there that has a shawl that he believes was mary jane kelly's or someone else's uh that has blood on it apparently um and they've tried to do a DNA test, on it, but because it's over 100 years old, it's like, yeah, it's not very good DNA anymore that we can use. Like, can't really prove anything. And you have to take his word for it as well. Like, back in those times, if she was a prostitute, <laughs> I'm sure blood was common. I would have thought so, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it is amazing how we kind of take DNA and other evidences now as just for granted. Because, like, when you just go, well, just there's DNA evidence in it. You just, yeah, just get that, their DNA. It's like, there was a time when you wouldn't have even considered that because it's not a, it's not part of your vocabulary, which makes no. it which makes it more interesting that there must be pe- there must be people in prison and you know um, way back when when the UK had the death penalty people that had been killed or imprisoned that were completely innocent. This is the thing. Most evidence was circumstantial, circumstantial, mm. not substantial. So we're going to dive into 1983, which really wasn't that long ago. I know yeah. uh, our parents would have been around. 
That's ten years so, before I was born. Yeah, twelve before me. So really not that long ago. So in the 1980s, in the communities of Narborough, Littlethorpe and Enderby, uh, they were very tight-knit and fairly small communities that lie just south of Leicester in the UK. Leicester probably rings a bell for some people because they're the team that went on to win the Premier League in that amazing season. So they're in the East Midlands, <laughs> just, to, you, just so you know. As if, you went, as if you've tried to think, for people that may aren't aware of Leicester and then refer to an English sport that, you know, a lot of people maybe don't follow... <laughs> You know, Jamie Vardy and the lads. Jamie Vardy and the lads. Gary Lineker. <laughs> Famous Gary Lineker, boy. yeah. Mm. So that's Leicester for you. Their yeah. football, mainly football, I think, put them on the map. Not, I've realised I've probably shot on people on Leicester. You're good at other stuff as well, but football is the most recent. Cheese, apparently. I think it's famous for cheese. Leicester, Leicester cheese? Yeah, Leicester cheese. I've heard of that. Yeah, I think that's right. They've got a uh, space museum as well that I went to as a child. Interesting. Uh, I've only ever mm. been to Leicester once, and that was by mistake. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am. Um, uh, uh, this was back in my university days, and I had uh, gone down to London. I, I went to university in a, a town called Northampton in the Midlands, and I went down to London mm. for a day out with a couple of friends. Uh, and on my way back, I got a bus back up to Northampton, um, but either I fell asleep or I just wasn't paying attention but the bus just didn't stop at Northampton and when I woke up it was now uh, quarter to twelve at night and I was now in Leicester and I, there were no coaches until the morning So what did you do to sleep in the coach station? Uh, no, it turns out I, well I knew someone that was in Nottingham and there was a bus that was on trans transit uh, to its final destination which was Nottingham um, and so I got in contact with a friend and uh, they offered me the night in Nottingham so then I got back on a coach that was making a stop right, at okay. Leicester went up to Nottingham and spent the night in Nottingham so I went to Leicester and Nottingham properly unannounced just on a <laughs> boys day out apparently on my own that's a nice little trip yeah Le- Leicester's really not far from me probably about an hour mm. so so these were fairly small communities, smelly, uh, smelly fool, fairly small towns. <laughs> On the 21st of November 1983, shockwaves were sent around the town as the body of Linda Mann, a 15-year-old girl from the area, was discovered behind a fence in a largely disused alleyway. Uh. David Baker, the lead investigator, begins work on finding the, cli- the killer. Now, it's very clear that Linda was raped and strangled, and because the footpath was kind of only known to local residents, people thought that the killer must be from the local area. You know one of those alleyways that you go down for, like, a shortcut that if you didn't know it was there, you wouldn't you wouldn't ever go down it? Yeah, literally have one round the corner to my house. Um, it's it's snappy yeah, that, this was that you just know to stay away from. Yeah, for, there's certain times of day where you can go down it, certain yeah. times of day where you shouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, but, but in those days... Um, I dare say crime was less, but there, I think there was a lot more trust in communities, especially in tight-knit communities. Yeah, I remember they're like, I, I cannot imagine a time where you didn't have your front door locked. No, people used to live in wide open, didn't they? Like, I'm sure in, I've read like war times and Christmas, around Christmas time, that uh, if they didn't have chimneys, they'd just leave the front door open for Santa. Mad, isn't it? Crazy. Nowadays, it's world's gone mad. World's gone absolutely mad. So... The police quickly rule out Linda's family and friends as suspects. They conduct house-to-house inquiries, and one house did hear a scream, but they thought at the time it was just kids messing around, so they just ignored it. 
Oh, no. Which you would do. You would do. I remember when I was in... So there's so many tangents already. When I was in school, I was taught that if ever you're being chased by someone who wants to kidnap you, shout fire yeah. and not, like, help or I'm being chased or whatever. Yeah. Because if you shout fire, people will be like, really? Yeah, they're less likely to come. If the uh, I think it's... Um, I, I heard that from the comedian Frankie Boyle saying about... Um, you're being told if you're being attacked, like if you're a female being attacked by a man or for whatever reason, um, uh, to shout, you know, rape, uh, people are less likely to come to that than they are to mm. fire. Um, to which Frankie Boyle then made a joke about it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure it was very grotesque. <laughs> it, it was. It was. <laughs> but still quite funny. It's my humour, but... Uh. So... In 1983, police didn't really have much technology and everything was written on paper and cards because back then computers were kind of, they were, I think they were there, but like bloody hell, they didn't really work. Yeah. And fingerprint technology was very, very outdated because it was all on bloody index cards. That's bad, So 100 officers combed the area and tried to find anything for forensic evidence. They cut down masses of fields, and what they'd do is they'd cut down these fields, they'd send the grass backwards to people behind them who would then go through it with their fingers looking for anything in, like, each individual blade of grass. It's crazy. So much went into it. Um, Unfortunately, not really much came through most evidence was very circumstantial in those days so in the documentary i watched if you found a cigarette butt that had like i don't know let me pick a random brand of cigarette marlboro and you then had a suspect and you knew that he smoked marlboro cigarettes you would then link the two but Mm. you couldn't convict him on it because it was very circumstantial yeah obviously nowadays we'd get the saliva off the cigarette butt but they couldn't do that uh, because they didn't have dna and after one week there were no witnesses no suspects and no fingerprints semen had been found on Linda um, and this was sent off and the only thing they could do was uh, find out the blood group of the person Yeah, because that's the only thing it could really tell them and Linda's killer was blood group A which is one in three people so that didn't really help at all oh wait one in three is too like that's too um, broad isn't it that's, I mean, yeah like, one in three people, people that could in, be anyone yeah. one in three yeah that's loads, lots yeah. and lots of people gotcha a third of the country Bloody hell. I'm a, so I'm businesses a, I'm around a, I'm, the area... I'm a rare blood type. What are you? I am AB positive. How did you find out? I don't know mine. I found out by giving blood. I donated blood. Um, right, this is where I seem awful, but I've never donated blood. <laughs> yeah, now that's how I found out. I'm AB positive, which means I, I think I'm... Uh, I'm... It's rare, like, I can... I can, was it, I can take blood from almost anywhere, but there's only so many people that can take my blood or something, which means it's, like, rare in terms of, like, that's one of those blood types that they're like, yeah, we kind of need a lot more of this because only a certain amount of people can take it. it Okay. Yeah. I hope I'm a universal donor. I'd like to help everyone. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) So, businesses (laughs) in the area saw a drop in sales because people were fearful to go outside due to it being a tight-knit community there was a lot of distrust in the air because i uh, i'm quite close with someone who lives in the area and she explained to me that members of her family knew linda and they were pulled into rooms in places where they were being educated and told about the murder and they have like elderly relatives who uh lived locally to the eventual killer no way yeah it's crazy how 
like close to home this is for some people. So 12 weeks after um, Linda's body was found, they're no closer to catching the killer. Around this time in the UK, there's a rise in attacks against young women and there's very little that could be done about it. Um, people could generally attack and rape women without consequence because if there's no witnesses, there's no way of tracking them down. You'd never find them because the only mm-hmm. thing they could do was analyse fingerprints and semen, which led you nowhere. It was always a dead end. And this mm. was happening all up and down the country. It was becoming a bit of a bit of an epidemic. It was very bad. Um, so let's fast forward three years. Still no leads on the murder of Linda. And now we're on the 31st of July, 1986, to a girl called Dawn Ashworth, who was also 15 years of age. And she went out to see some friends, but then was reported missing. And this was around the same alleyway where Linda was found. Her body was not found uh, on the same alleyway, but 72 hours after reported missing, it was found uh, on a narrow dirt road. She was found under a hedge, again raped and strangled. Uh, the same investigation took place, sweeping the area, analysing the semen, and this semen was also blood group A, so police began to suspect it was the same killer. Linda and Dawn's body were found less than a mile apart, all but confirming that it was a local person who had committed these murders. Several people came forward and said they saw a motorbike owned by a nam... A a nam? I can't speak today. A man (laughs) named Richard Anan. Owned by a nan. Owned by a nan. I love that. (laughs) Owned by a man named Richard Buckland under a bridge around the time of the murder. Police go and arrest him, but he couldn't explain why he was there or why his bike was there. And his blood type was also type A. So they thought they got him. Evidence was against him. He denied everything, especially against the case against Linda. He was like, I have no idea what this is. So around this time, a, a scientist in Leicester University, five miles from Narborough, had developed a brand new DNA identity test. It was called DNA fingerprinting. And it was first ever used to prove that a young lad from Ghana was um came home to see his mother and it was proved that he was her child this was the first time dna was used Hmm. so um dna just a brief overview is a fingerprint for an individual and no one will share the same blood relatives have similar but it will never be identical and like as we know today dna will be found everywhere in a crime scene from like the smallest hair follicles spit it could be something that you've left on your clothes like literally anything an eyelash they can do whatever yeah, it's mad, isn't it, what they can find and pick up. It's difficult to kill people nowadays, and yet people still do it <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, that's the bit, in it? It makes me wonder whether it's not the technology, but more the financing that maybe allows people to get away. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you're rich, you can get away with murder, funny enough. So... Ooh. Sir Alec Jeffries was on the genetics science team. In 1984, he found a way to create a visual representation of how people's DNA differ. It's a pattern on a piece of film, and it kind of looks like a barcode, and this is the person's genetic fingerprint. And what it explains is, it was this barcode, and he'd get the genetic um, line of the individual who's been murdered, in this case, Linda and Dawn, and there would be two um, DNA samples that are kind of alien to theirs, but still in their system, and this was the semen of the killer. And they worked out that the semen matched, though it was the same killer. Oh. 
Yeah, so it's very fascinating. And this changed the game in terms of forensics and family testing. Uh, now, Baker, the lead detective, wanted to inquire about this DNA testing and he offered up the cases to sort of be a trial to see how it would go. And this would be the first time in the world where DNA forensics would be used in a crime investigation. They tested the semen found on both murder sites against Richard Buckland. The test did confirm that they were raped and murdered by the same person, but it wasn't Richard Buckland. He was innocent. Holy shit. So naturally, it was doubted uh, when this all came out. People were like, people don't understand science, so they were like, this is bullshit, this isn't true. Because they wanted a killer. The people of the area wanted someone to be arrested for it, and if they could put Richard behind bars, it probably would have given them some comfort. Um, Oh, yeah. And then the result, they had to do the same test again. Exactly, but it would have been wrong. So they had to do the same test again, um, and they argued it was genuine, and the court eventually threw out the case against Richard Buckland, which, great news for Richard, but this did mean the killer was still at large. Mm. Baker um, decided he wanted to take blood samples of every single male in the surrounding area to find the perpetrator. And because the villages are so close, it made it easier to do. So all men aged between 18 and 34 were requested to do it. This was about 5,000 men. Hell. Details are then fed into a computer one by one, and after two months of screening, 2,000 men had been checked, but no killer. The police, they didn't think they'd get their killer, they just really wanted to put pressure on. And this is where I ask you a question. Could you, could you imagine this now? Everyone would kind of call you a sheep and just refuse, because nowadays we can't get people to wear a fucking mask without thinking they're being, their rights are being infringed. So can you mm. imagine being asked for like, every man, man in your area to go and give blood? It would be up uh, Yeah, I, I, I was thinking this when you when you said that that every man in the village area uh, they wanted to do that, and I was thinking, well, yeah, surely that would either be like bang, you're all bang to rights kind of stuff, because whoever then says no, I don't want to do it, you would just assume that that's the person mm. who's the the guilty party. But then obviously, in our world now, there'd be loads of people that just say no, <laughs> uh, you know. But then I don't see why not. It's just testing your DNA to see if it matches with this person. But there'll be that one person, you know, the kind of person that says, I don't want the coronavirus vaccine because I don't want them to have my uh, information or I don't want them to put a chip in me so they know where I am. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But you carry around with you a GPS device in your mobile phone. Like, yeah, your phone, like, they can track you anywhere. I currently I currently use a Huawei phone, which famously has links with the Chinese government. So yeah, they Chinese, know where you are. The, the Chinese government at all times know that I'm sat in my room doing fuck all at the moment, right? What are they going to do with that information? <laughs> Nothing. This is the th- the, but then there's um, Snowden, who I think we've mentioned before, and we probably will do an episode on at some point, that does it then... If if the government or whoever can then look into your private life without you knowing, is that an infringement on your rights? I think it is. Yeah, I, I would say I would say it is. Um, mm. For like, for, for instance, um, you can almost bring up Harry and Meghan um, uh, in this argument. In that mm. she has recently come out and said she's come out and released information that she and her husband Harry are now expecting a second child mm-hmm. and then and then I think one of the biggest newspapers in the UK put it on their front page and the uh, headline was something like 
wealthy uh what is it wealthily wealthily shy woman announces to the world that she's pregnant and it's them having a dig at her uh by refusing to name her and calling her shy because she's had a she and harry have had a go at the press because they remember mm. they released a a, a a letter that had been sent to her by her father which was very personal it's between her and her father they'd managed mm-hmm. to get hold of it and they released it without their consent so yeah. like in in that instance like it, it's not up to them to release the information and then they'll say oh but it's journalistic <clears throat> integrity and we're allowed to sort of freedom of press we're allowed to say what we like yeah, yeah within reason I imagine but uh, this is the it, thing and and then, I, I, yeah go on I've got so much respect for Harry he's probably my favourite royal Harry and Meghan because Harry saw his own mother get killed by this sort of press hounding I know she got killed in a car crash and there's conspiracies around it but if you look at what was generally considered the press chased them and they sped and died and mm. so he's just wanted to get his wife out of that lifestyle and I couldn't respect him more for it because I'm not a monarchist I probably never will be um, and he just wants to save her life and and I feel like a lot of tab- especially tabloid newspapers in this country are very pro-royal and anyone that dares leave the family is a traitor or what, whatever but really they're just two people that fell in love have kids and they just want to live their life so yeah. if by any chance the fucking editor of the sun or daily mail listens to our podcast just fuck off <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it's it's uh, i don't think it's unreasonable to just want to be in control of the your of your life and your information um i don't understand how that's like a bad thing uh so is it fair for like a government to snoop on your information i don't think so no um it's your information and it's yours to give freely uh, I don't like how things manipulate you into giving your information. For instance, uh, within the last year or two, remember Facebook and Cambridge Analytica were in the newspapers and the headlines because they had been harvesting our data and selling it without our consent. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, and that's how we get, you know, I, it's still, I still find it hilarious that anyone over maybe the age of 30 thinks it's, a, it's, it's genius that when I mention brownies, an advert for, like, chocolate brownies sold by Iceland pops up on my Facebook feed. And it's like, it's not magic. <laughs> it's a, it's quite, it's rather dark that that happens. Anyway, um, now uh, a, a website or an app has to tell you um, or ask for your permission to use your data, i.e., like, if, if I'm visiting a website... Um, it will say, oh, okay, we've managed to get this person. Uh, are you, is it okay if we use this information in the future? And you then have to consent, which is why, like, now, it's really irritating. Every website you ever go on to now, James, it will always you say... You have to bottom, say, okay. Yeah, we use cookies for this website. Do you consent to it? If you don't consent to it, though, you don't get to use the, the web page. Yeah. And I think that's wrong because you're you're pushing me... To, you're forcing me to consent to something I might not want to consent to just so I can use your your page and I don't think that's yeah. right and then on the flip side mm-hmm. uh, if you're from uh, if you're looking at their perspective they can say well you don't have to use their website then uh, it, it's dodgy I think uh, the individual should be in charge and uh, of their own information um, and and should have to be asked consent uh, if they want to use other stuff it's going back yeah. to your initial question is a government should a government be allowed to do that I don't think so no I think they should have to ask permission I don't know if that's fair, where fair. we were going with it but 
Uh, kind of, yeah. So seven months after these DNA tests started, um, a bakery team were on a night out in a pub and one man admitted that he had been asked to take the test instead of a friend and a woman overheard and she told the police. The man who then evaded the test was arrested and his name was Colin Pitchfork. They tested his DNA because I think it's once you've been arrested, they then do have a right to test you. Or, like, get your DNA, and I still think that's the case today. Um, they tested his DNA, and it came back positive, and he was the murderer. So his DNA matched the, the DNA on the semen found on the bodies of the victims. And okay. he gets jailed for life. And this twist. was huge. No, not really. Uh, this just proved that DNA could be used for investigations and work. Um, Pitchfork was a member of the local community and he evaded capture for years and he was right under the police's nose. But with brand spanking new science, he got caught and this was a huge step in DNA testing. Um, and obviously it's gone on to solve so many other cases and has been used by police all over the world. And this is where we get into a, like another little section of this episode. Um, it also meant that DNA profiles could then be taken and put onto a national DNA data base mm -hmm. the original technique was too slow for this so a man named peter gill was tasked with finding a new method to speed it up uh, they wanted it to be automated because everything was very like ha done by hand um yeah. so they also found a way to amplify dna so if you found like the smallest speck they could then grow it so they can investigate it further which Ooh. i thought was really cool yeah that's very sci-fi so in 19 Mm, absolutely. So in 1993, seven years after DNA was first used, bones were found in the Urals. Uh, Urals? Urals? It's a mountain range in Russia. Urals. Um, and Urals, that's the one. And they were believed to belong to Tsar Nicholas and his wife Alexandra, who were of the Romanov family. Right. And they wanted to figure out if it was the Romanov family who were killed in Russia in 1918. The, we, the Romanovs were a mad bit of history, which I'm sure we'll do at some point. Yeah. Um, so... DNA in the bones that they found were tested against the DNA on a blood-soaked uniform worn by Nicholas II, Nicholas's grandfather, who had been killed in 1881. Mm. These results came back that it was 98% certain that these were the bones of the Romanov family, and then they got a grand funeral and their bones were buried. Um, not only did this prove that DNA testing did really work, it also proved that it could still be of use when people had been deceased for many years. Ooh, cold cases, yes. This is where we get into it. So by 1994, a DNA database was possible and the Home Secretary needed to give approval for it. But there was an argument that to take someone's DNA is to remove their personal liberty, which is what we've just kind of spoke about. Um, however, the Home Secretary disagreed and wider power was given to police to take DNA samples from suspects. So if you've been arrested for something, if you're the suspect of a crime, the police do have a right to take your DNA. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you in a, in a crime sense. Um, so, like, uh, obviously you have your rights as a human being, X, Y, Z, but then I believe this should, maybe this should be like, um, and, it, and it probably is a case, um, but if you if you are arrested... On the suspicion of X, Y, Z, you then have, uh, you then must cooperate. And if you're not going to, like, you may have the right to talk, and or uh, sorry, not to talk, but you also have, like, you're then coerced to cooperate somewhere. Do you, do you know mm. what I'm saying? Like, if you're being arrested, you don't have to cooperate. And if you're being uncooperative, then maybe there should be, like, a fine. Even if you're not guilty, mm. like, you might not be guilty in any way, shape, or form, or even related. But if you're being a knobhead, you're then like, well, you're hindering this investigation, therefore you can be fined for that, so you need to cooperate. Oh, that, that is a crime, isn't it? I forget what it's called, like, standing in the way of justice or something. Um, yeah. Th something it like is that. a crime. 
Yeah. Uh, profiles from unsolved cases would be put on a database in the hope that a match would then emerge in future. So people who were brought in for minor crimes, and it was then found out they were then the perpetrator behind unsolved crimes or cold cases. So that's mad. Like, someone could have committed a murder 20, 30 years previous, and oh, yeah. their DNA would have been all over it. And so the police have been like, right, what we're going to do is we're going to take this DNA, we're just going to store it on the computer, and we're going to leave it. And then they get arrested for stealing, a, I don't know, some beer from a shop one time. And, and then they go, right, we're taking your DNA, we're putting you on the database, and suddenly it pops up. It's like, oh, you're a murderer. Yeah, I believe that's how they caught the Golden State Killer in San Francisco, right? I have no idea, but that sounds cool. Um, he's like a guy, I think, in the eighties or something. He's like he's a serial killer, and then obviously got the the tag name of Golden State Killer. And I think how uh, like I think it was literally like a year or two ago. Um, I think like a nephew of his uh, was arrested or something, uh, and when they linked like his DNA profile or something, it matched DNA to some of the victims or whatever and then they managed to find his uncle who was actually the killer that's mad it's crazy i'll try to look into it at some point it sounds like a good episode to be fair so mm. in 2003 gladys govry uh, an elderly woman she was raped and murdered and this was when a familial search was used so a familial search is basically meaning they could find the dna of a family member on the database and then trace that to find the killer of gladys so basically uh-huh. if you were a murderer and then you got away with it for however long and this happened in another case as well um so i forget the surname but a girl called melanie um she was raped and murdered and her killer got away with it for years for like over 30 years i think and then his daughter got bought in for a, a crime and her um, DNA went onto the database and it kind of flagged up and went well this DNA is kind of similar to this crime scene so they went through her and found her father who then admitted to everything and this was the case oh, in the, in the Gladys case as well so murderers you best hope that your family are on best behaviour because they could trace you through them mm. so crimes that have been committed decades and decades ago are still solved today as offenders or their family have been added to the DNA database and DNA is now used in 90% of murder investigations yeah too right why not mm. you've got a fucking so, awesome piece of a oh, kit there it's absolute groundbreaking it's come on leaps and bounds yeah. in the last couple of decades other countries flocked to the UK to see how we use DNA and I think it's a shame where we live in a world that two young girls had to lose their lives but their legacy is that they were the first murder victims to receive justice for DNA being used to find their killer. And um, the family uh, or family friend was interviewed on this documentary I saw and the mother of Dawn wrote a letter to be used in the documentary and she says whenever she sees a case get solved via DNA, she looks up to the sky and says there's another one for you. Like, you nah. kind of led the way for this. So... Mm. The, that's it's nice. a shame they lost their lives um, and they would have gone on to do great things with their lives I'm sure but good did come out of it so they have their legacy oh yeah no that's awesome I think so that's, that's, that's such a Gucci bit of kit isn't it like I can look at your DNA and solve a crime 
It, it's crazy. It's absolutely mental. And that's kind of it. Leicester uh, DNA was first used in Leicestershire in the 1980s. Uh, and the entire world hasn't looked back since. And it's helped in so many avenues in life. And I think as a species, we'd be lost. So to kind of end this, like, everything I've got written, uh, a question for you, which I think we, we've kind of discussed before, but I think this is kind of a different tangent. Do you think that when we're born, everyone should have their DNA taken and put on the database so everyone is traceable? Or do you think it should remain how it is now that it only gets taken when you commit a crime or if you're the victim of one? Um, I don't think it should be taken when you're a child uh, just because you as a human cannot consent to it. Um, And I don't think even your parents should be allowed to consent to it because later on you can say, I I don't agree with it, I don't consent to that, but it's already been done. Um, but then I think it comes think into d- a thing of, is it one of those things that, oh, it's awful because it sounds so uh, dictatorial, dictatorial, Dic- you know what I mean, but should it be one of those things that kind of isn't consensual? Um, maybe not, because I don't know how it's, it's I'm, I'm not sure if it's always relevant, you know, if you're uh, a law-abiding citizen, you've never had any issues, no problems, no qualms in life, and you can literally then you'd just never get flagged. Life. Like, then it wouldn't make a difference to you in the slightest, you'd just never get flagged up. Absolutely, but to and I'm not. Oh, I suppose I'm a little bit, but to not go a bit or conspiracy theory on it, um, you cannot ever sort of like uh, rule out the possibility of a rogue state that decides to use information in an in an unethical way. You know, um, I don't know how they'd do it. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that they would create clones of you and then start making an army or anything like that i'm not talking sci-fi dystopian stuff like that i mean that would be cool wouldn't it um but if you don't really need it then i don't know i mean i put it this way right uh it's one of those um it it could probably be more like how organ donors are now done in uh, i believe as of like last year so Uh, you opt out instead of of opting exactly yeah you don't opt in to be an organ donor you now have to opt out uh, if you care that much, then you'll opt out. Maybe it should be like that. In you will your DNA. Maybe say like by the age of at least twenty, you have to be able to every every uh, British citizen by the age of twenty has to provide a DNA sample for the data bank. Uh, if you care that much, uh, you can opt out of it, and you don't have to provide any information. Maybe maybe that I don't know. Okay, I, I see where you're going with this. I, I don't really know where I stand now. I was just asking the question to see how you feel, but I just because I look. If I look at myself, for example, I've never been arrested for anything. So there you are, mum. Peace of mind for you. Um, <laughs> so my DNA isn't on any databases. Yeah, no, no. So does that mean it's easier for me to get away with the crime? Uh, well, no, because once. Well, uh, yes, no, no, well, no, maybe not, because um, we've found, you you mentioned that familial DNA tracing. No, I've got to hope my family are on best behaviour as well. Yeah, so you have to hope your family are on best behaviour as well. So you can commit, the, you can commit if you will, the perfect crime where only DNA is left, but we can't find you because you're not on a databank yet. Uh, however, then, like you said, if any of your family members were to commit a crime and their DNA got put on it, it might pop flag up as a match. Um I don't know. It's one of those... I can see the benefits to it. I understand the benefits to it. I just think in a philosophical sense, maybe it's not uh, the best way. Like I don't know, because... Uh, uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> I my initial reaction is a negative one. I I, just, I don't I, I don't subscribe to it. I, I'm I'm not I'm not for it initially. I can understand the arguments for it um, and why it makes sense to. However, it's one of those you should be able to volunteer it, and if you ask for it, most likely people would say yes. But I don't think you should be judged if you say no unless you do have ulterior motives but okay i don't know i don't know i mean there are other ways to find people naturally like you know it it's not dna evidence is not the only way people find criminals you know we have police forces that are some of the best in the world who do very good work and investigate investigate crimes and figure things out and you know they'll get you that way somehow and then they can check your dna once you've been arrested i don't know and don't see how it's necessarily useful. For instance, the, uh, the Stasi, uh, the Stasi in like East Germany, when it was communist, they had mm. like they had they they were nicking like people's underwear off of washing lines and putting them in jars so that they've got like not DNA but like they they had the scent of people and like other elements mm. of it. They had like they had like basements full of just information on people, and it's like, but why? And it's like to control this population of sorts. I don't know. I don't know. I sound like a conspiracy nut now. <laughs> it's it's all interesting, like topics, conversation to discuss. I suppose like stem cell mm. research comes into this as well, but I think that's a different ball game. Yeah, I mean, I can maybe maybe I uh, I don't know actually. I was going to say I don't know if I trust just some fucking elected bumpkin with my my dna information like i wouldn't i suppose i wouldn't mind if it went to a uh, a trusted organization that's independent of a government uh and has uh an outsourced um like oh what's the word what's the word i'm looking for i cannot figure it now but like uh, some outside people that come in and uh check in check on it and make sure the standards are up to keep and all this sort of stuff like do you know what i mean mm. i, I, I <laughs> oh, get no, you so, so it's not <laughs> no so so it's not like it's not the government it'll be uh, a private company no not even a company of sorts but like uh, maybe it's like a uh uh an offshoot of the government like a a, a, ca- a position um like the home office is like a, a subsection of the government so it would be like you know the section that's in charge of human DNA area, mm. and it's something that's independent of the government. It, it works on its own. It's it's independent thing that gets sourced, uh, and your taxpayer stuff would fund it and whatnot. And then that could be like the government's own, um, you know, research area R and D, whatnot. And then they can do all their sort of experiments with it. I don't know. I don't really know. It's all a bit total recall. Yeah, it's very very sci-fi like now. Um, mm. It's it's a fascinating. I'm sure it will be developed as as time goes on and more people are added to the database. And I suppose at the minute it's the it's the thought of the government that if you don't commit any crimes, you won't be on the database, and therefore you'll never need to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that. It's like when people talk about when you use the internet like google and they've talked about dark web and you're like oh the dark web you're not being tracked and you're not being this and the other on the actual internet the surface web Mm. you are and it's like yeah but what are you wanting to do on the surface web that you can't do anyway like yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. And then obviously was, you hear all these horror stories about the dark web, and it's like, well, that's why people want to go on the dark web. I love those mystery unboxing, though, where you just order a mystery box and people will, like see what's in them. I love those videos. Oh, I know, it's just some random twat filling boxes full of shite, isn't it? <laughs> and then, One of them and is then a some, piranha. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then some YouTubers like, oh my god, what's this? And then it's like some smelly doll that's been found in the bin from like 20 years ago and they go, oh god, it must be haunted. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I follow... Mm. Um, there's a... A guy called Ron Swanson, not from Parks and Rec. Uh, Ron not Swanson, the Ron Swanson. Not the Ron Swanson, but a guy called Ron Swanson is a YouTuber. Um, and he appears, if anyone listens to him, Sean Atwood. Uh, he's a criminal activist and YouTuber and author. Uh, he appears on his channel quite a lot at the moment. Uh, Ron Swanson is a dark web sleuth, in a way. Um, he goes on the dark web and he's like he's been finding out loads of random dark shit that happens on there, basically reporting on it. Um, and he's been finding all these like absolutely awful paedophile rings on the dark web and then reporting it to police um, so he's doing quite good work like he's doing really good work and apparently on the dark web you can um, I don't know if this applies to surface web but on the dark web you can like have uh, images turned off um, when you go on it and basically he goes on the dark web finds all these like really horrendously awful child molestation websites and whatnot and then he's been like talking to some of them and having them just detail to him the joys of watching a child be molested and stuff like that and then you're reporting it to the police that's biz- right that's quite i kind of want to look into that yeah i'll send you a link to it after we finish recording but um yeah it's really interesting stuff that sounds fascinating hmm good old ron mm. swanson yeah it's, it's so it's one of those like uh, if you have nothing to hide, then why not give up all your information? But at the same time, it's like, well, I am an independent human who is in control of my own information. And if you want it, you can ask for it and I'll consent to it. Other than that, like, for instance, um, I, I don't know if any of the people that I work with are still listening to this podcast. I know some of them have appeared and listened to a few of them. But for instance, um, on our group chat, our work group chat, my boss asked for a picture of all of us when we were babies and i just went no like <laughs> and then and then she, i think she said something like oh like it's gonna ruin the surprise or something it's like i'm sure you have all the like all the goodwill and intentions but unless you actively like tell me what you want to do with it and then ask for my permission i'm not just gonna yeah. give you a picture of myself as a child like <laughs> i think that's really weird um I mean, yeah, I think that's bizarre. Like, you you have the power, and it's up to someone else to ask for your information, and you have to give consent to almost anything. You see, I'm... I don't think I'm as sceptical as you. I kind of... But then I think to a fault sometimes, that if someone asks me for something, I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like, I just don't think. I'm just like, yeah, go on then, have it. Like, I put my card details into fucking everything that asks. It's really <laughs> bad. But... <laughs> Now, if someone mm. if someone at work was like, "Oh, can I have a picture of you as a baby?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Let me. I'll give like I'll give you three. You can choose." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really think things through. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, maybe I'm too skeptical. Um, I tell you what, I am not though. Uh, what well, what I am? I'm a I'm an absolute sucker for a salesman, and not not even a salesman. Like your your job is not even a salesman. Um, I I I was in a subway yesterday, right? 
I was ordering my usual, which, if anyone's curious, is a, a foot-long spicy Italian on Italian bread um, with a bit of lettuce, tomato, cucumber, and some mixed uh, peppers and brown sauce to go in it as well. If anyone's brown interested... Brown sauce? Brown sauce, yeah. I put brown sauce in oh, it. I like brown spice. sauce, don't get me wrong, but with the ingredients you've just listed, I don't think brown sauce fits, but hey, you do you. It's a spicy Italian, and brown sauce is the spiciest of like the non-spicy sauces, and that's why I want. When before I, before I made my lifestyle change, ranch ranch sauce all the way. No, no. Um, anyway, so I was in Subway yesterday, and I asked for my you know usual, and uh, the lady was like, as they always do, "Would you like it cheese and toasted?" Naturally, I said yes because everyone when they go to Subway has to have it cheese and toasted unless you don't have cheese. Um, and then she went. Do you want extra cheese? And I just went, yeah, without thinking. And she, and then she went, okay. And then I was like, oh wait, is, do I have to pay more for it? And she went, yeah. I went, oh, I just thought you were being nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then she took it off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, honestly. I'm the I'm, same. They go, oh, would you like to upgrade for like an extra twenty p? I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> if ever like it's the upselling I'm a, I'm a sucker for upselling as well if, if like I buy a drink they're like do you want to make it a double for extra p- p- like pound yeah you've twisted my arm yeah yeah in, in and fact, then once you, and once you've drank one like that's it you're uh, you, yeah. they've got you by the balls I'm a sucker for the upsell I'm I'm, I'm a nightmare for it oh, do you fancy doing this for an mm. extra pound I'm like yeah thing is though if it's over a tenner <laughs> I'll say no like, I'm I'm good with that like if it's over a tenner I'm like no nah, uh, I'm yeah. all right. But I then, think like, even a fiver for me, I'd be like, hmm, but a quid, yeah, sure. But then I used to, I do it for such stupid shit. Like you said, like cinema, they're like, oh, for an extra three pounds, do you want to go large and we'll get you extra this, that, and the other? I'm like, yeah, why not? Throw away money. And then if I would like, when I was like, when I used to like go to like the game store and buy an actual physical copy, a disc of a game that's worth like sixty quid, and they go, oh, do, mm. uh, for an extra two pounds, you want that covered? So like, if it breaks or scratches, we can replace it. I'm like. No, I can't really afford to excess on like three yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah, I'm the what? same. <laughs> Where's the logic? <laughs> I, I would like if I buy something and it's like I buy something for forty quid. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. It's like two pound fifty delivery. Like, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw, I saw a meme and it's something like buying a seventy dollar game now, and it's like, oh yeah, of course I'll take two. And then it's like trying to buy a ninety nine p app on the app store, and you're like, I don't think the treasury can bear such an expense. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, well okay so we have two different sort of uh, philosophical thoughts here um, I'm very I, I t- it turns out right so I'm, t- I'm 27 now I'll be 28 um, mm. this year and I've I think I've mentioned to you, to you before I've become more centrist in my political viewings as I've got older mm. and I would argue that that's probably quite normal for humans like most people's parents are centrist verging on the right um, and all their sort of leftist ideologies have gone out the window by the time they hit like 35 and have got two kids um, yeah and I'm wondering maybe that's going to happen to me but so I'm now quite I'm quite centre uh, on the political swing on the pendulum of the politics um and so I'm more saying, you are in control of your own information. Don't just give it up freely to your government or to any other tiddly fuck who asks for it. If they want it, ask what it's for, and then you can consent to it with an informed decision. James is, just have it when you're a baby and can't consent. Take it. <laughs> yeah, that's not... I'd, right, okay. So I didn't say we should do that. I asked the question of whether we should do... I'm, I'm 
putting discussions out there. I, I haven't made my view clear, what, I don't think. Well, have, do you have a view yet, or are you still formulating it? I think I'm formulating. Okay. I don't really know. Okay. Um, I think it would solve a lot more crimes, and I think people would be deterred a lot more if they were on a database, but then also I don't want to be on a database. So there is there is that. Yeah, and then like maybe th- things are working as they are. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe we've still romanticised after this like freedom, like like the Wild West, where you be where you want to be, whoever you want to be, or like you know when like the world was so much bigger, you could go to the new world and become a new you. You could go to a new yeah. town and then reinvent your name and just become someone completely different. Like my granddad, like yeah. I think like months before he met my nan, had a ticket to get on a boat to go to Australia and he was just going to start his life anew he could have start, He could have had a new name he could have done everything anew it's mad how anew. they could just do that isn't it and like now there's not a place in this world where we could go to and do that anymore like everything has been discovered there's no new world there's no new continent to go to and start afresh like even planetary stuff it doesn't work because you know you could go to Mars tomorrow if there's uh, sources was available to do so we could go to mars and set up a new life but it's still me that has to get the ticket that now has to get onto a plane and everything's logged everything is logged um so maybe i'm just trying to romanticize over like the days where you could be anonymous in the world yeah to do it to do it now you'd have to fully go off grid just build your own house in the woods and just never speak to civilization ever again mm, yeah maybe ted maybe ted kaczynski was right uh, do you know anything about Ted Kaczynski? I'd recommend you look up Ted Kaczynski. He's the Unabomber. No, I don't know. Uh, he's, his nickname is the Unabomber. Uh, he's not a very nice man. However, uh, he does have a rather interesting view on the modern world. Uh, there's a document, there's loads of documentary series on Ted Kaczynski. Uh, there is a Netflix adaptation uh, series about him in which uh, one of his big things is about how, like, uh, we're so obedient to like technology now uh, and there's a moment like he has a manifesto that he's written out it's it's really worth just looking into and skim, re- skim reading uh, but on one of the occasions a, a main protagonist in this series he sat in his car it's like two o'clock in the morning there's no cars on the road at all and he's literally sat in his car at the crossroads because there's a red light in front of him and he's looking around thinking there is nobody here. There is not a single person or a car, not even an animal in sight. Why am I still sat here just because that little machine's telling me to stop doing it? Yeah. It's like cones. Someone puts out a cone and you're like, I can't go there. It's a fucking cone. <laughs> because it's a cone. Yeah, like red velvet ropes. Yeah. Like, why do we do this? Why, why are we so stupid? It, it's when um, the um, the protesters t- stormed the capital in America, and they like they caused so much damage and all sorts. But then there was that footage of them staying within the red ropes. Yeah. When they were in the buildings, like even when you're there being domestic terrorists, let be on- let's be honest, and you're still conforming to the laws of fucking red velvet ropes. Mm. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's like 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 the rule of shotgun. It's like. That's a stupid rule, and yet for a lot of people, that's sacred. <laughs> it's, it's 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 interesting. I, I don't. Yeah, I think we've gone philosophical. We did a philosophical episode the other day. Yeah, I think we could end up doing quite a lot more <laughs> philosophical episodes. Yeah, probably. Um, and I think we've we've definitely veered off quite a lot, haven't we, from the initial uh, topic of the episode? 
Yes, the first use of DNA in the Pitchfork murders in Leicestershire in 1980s. And we're back. <laughs> and I think that's where um, we should end. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that's uh, genuinely interesting. Like, I remember you mentioned it to me and I was like, I'd never, ever, ever heard of this before. Uh, Pitchfork, Pitchfork murders of Leicester. First mm-hmm. crime case to involve DNA to catch its criminal. Uh, and well done to those who invented DNA. Now DNA is amazing. I now know my genealogy and my uh, genetic disposition to certain ailments and illnesses because mm. my DNA can be read. And I think that's absolutely fascinating. Like It turns out, uh, not to upset anyone, uh, there's a high chance I may develop uh, onset uh, dementia and Alzheimer's as I get older. Now that's like, a lot of people don't want to know that. But like, I can now... You, just, just out of interest, how did you find this out? Uh, this is through a, uh, a company called 23andMe. And you give them a swab of your DNA, which is just spit. You just give them a, a tube full of spit, and they sequence your DNA. Uh, and then they they ask you before they send you your information. There will be there there may be information you don't want to know about. I.e., we will cover like things like cancers and genetic illnesses. Blah 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 blah. We will be able to tell you whether. And it's not 100% accurate, they say, but it's you know it's a high chance it's quite accurate. Uh, the likelihood That'd of you developing... That would be terrifying. Well, for a lot of people, it is. Now, they ask you if you want to know about this before they give you the information, to which I'm sure there are a lot of people who say, no, I don't want to know. For me, I I was the opposite. My, my granddad died of Alzheimer's and dementia. He had it. So I know that there's a chance, being a male, I could develop it as well. And it turns out I have a high risk of getting it later on in life. Now... I could look at that as a, oh, God, I'm going to get it. Or I could look at it as in, okay, maybe once I hit, like, 40 or 50, I can start planning for it a bit more. And if it does happen, I've got a plan. Well, this leads... Oh, again, we, we need to wrap up. But this, this again, is another a fantastic question. If, you like, someone presented you with a book being like, this is the book of your life, you can either read and see what happens or uh, you could just burn the book and never know, what would you do? Um... I, I mean, I don't know. I'd like, like, would you I'd, like I, to know the time and place you're going to die, and how? I'd, I'm not sure if I'd read that far. I'd want, I'd read to like a certain length, and then when it gets to chapter your death, I might leave it there. But what if you literally I'd turn break. the page and it's like a car hits you? Nah, that'd be irritating, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just wouldn't go outside. Yeah. Put yourself in a in a padded room, but then suddenly a car would crash to the wall of the padded room. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a bit of a final destination now, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, I'd like to know a lot about my life before it happens, because then you know, I like, I like, I really. W- we spoke about it before with religion. I really want there to be a plan. I want, I want there to be a sentient being up in the sky with a plan, because then it takes the weight off of my chest and shoulders uh, of of like feeling guilty for not doing something. So I'm like, well, there's a plan. It's fine. Mm. That, you know, I think that's for a lot of people. It just makes them feel better. Uh, and it makes me feel worse that there isn't a plan and maybe I'm not being as proactive as I ought to be yeah life is what you make of it live it how you want 100% and that is where we're going to leave it I promise everyone we're going to leave it we've gone off on, on many 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 tangents here there is literally a tree full of tangents here um, or a spider's web of tangential conversation but yeah we've been speaking about the first case in the world yeah, I believe so, yeah. 
in the world, the first case in the world to use DNA evidence to capture its criminal and uh, give justice to its victims, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that episode. Thank you very much, James. I hope everyone listening really enjoyed that episode. Um, next week, we are going to be talking about a lady called Karen Matthews, um, which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, I'll not give too much away. I'm just I'm not going to say anything. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Karen Matthews. Um, and so, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. So be sure to check that out next week. Um, make sure you follow us on all the social media. You find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, if you want to check out anywhere else, you can listen to us. You can find us on like, any podcast platform. Um, oh, we also have a Ko-fi page. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, uh, it would be very much appreciated. It's not a subscription or nothing. If you just fancy bunging us a couple of quid, uh, it all goes into a wee pot and it's going to help grow the podcast and whatnot, get us equipment and whatnot. Uh, you can find us on ko-fi.com forward slash that sort of people do or go onto our link tree, which is on our social media platforms, and you can find the link there. And that's everything. Nailed it. In one. Bang in. Let's wrap up. It would be goodbye from me. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>